So good morning. This is Michael Clement with Yumi We Podcast, and we have another special guest this morning, uh, Ruth Inglesrud, who is a teacher and is running the MPO Joey. And we met because we couldn't understand why the young kids at St. Francis were speaking English so well compared to the older kids. And then after a, a few months of, of talking to them, we found out that Ruth has actually been teaching them using her puppets. And so since then, we've tried to do uh, as much collaboration as possible because we, we naturally think that the sooner that we can get in contact with the kids, the better. And so we asked Ruth to join today and she uh, thankfully accepted. And so welcome. Do you, do you wanna give us a little background about yourself and, and how you got started with Joey? Sure, thanks, Michael. Um, so, Boy, let's see. Uh, I think it started back when our church, West Tokyo Union Church, would go for uh, the, our Christmas programs. We would go to these nearby orphanages and we would deliver presents and we would have um, a little program for them. Uh, we'd sing carols, um, you know, play some games. And I would sometimes bring uh, one of my puppets, my lions, uh, dressed up as as uh, in a Santa outfit, and his name was Sandy Claus, and uh, we had a great time with the kids, uh, and it was fun. But I always thought, is that it? You know, we we only show up once a year, and and I I kind of it, it, it broke my heart a little bit to to see these kids there, um, not having that much interaction. And, uh, and I thought, well, what more could we do? And, and how could we really help these kids in a, a lasting way? And I thought, well, um, these kids growing up in the homes, uh, they're there sometimes for their whole childhood. They're, and then at 18, off they go out into the working world. And if they could possibly have um, English skills when they graduate from the homes, that might help them get jobs in the future. Uh, and if their English skills were, you know, uh, if they were taught at a native level English uh, teacher, that, that would help them also. So uh, this idea started to, you know, foment in my mind. I thought, okay, what, what are my skills and what are my um, non-skills? And <laughs> I'm not bilingual. I'm I, I can speak some Japanese, but uh, it's, it's not a strength. I'm a teacher. Um, I have a master's in, in education. Uh, I'm a theater major. So um, I, do, I do acting, I do puppeteering. Um, I'm a ventriloquist. Uh, I love to work with kids. It's just, it's like falling off a log. It's very easy. I, I love all ages. Uh, and so I thought, well, I can use those strengths maybe to teach English to the kids. So I started to develop this, this program where I would go in with puppets and games and songs and fun activities and make an English lesson seem like just playtime. Uh, you know, when the brain is relaxed, when kids feel safe, uh, they are, are open for deep learning. And it, it tends to sink in and, and lodge in a positive place in the brain um, so they can, they can retrieve that knowledge. Um, so uh, I started writing a curriculum and, uh, and lining up puppets. And, 
and talking to Michael through you, me, we about the possibility of, of doing a, um, uh, you know, a, a lesson, a regular weekly or bi-weekly lesson in one of the, the children's homes where you, me, we was already working. And I would focus on the younger kids. And so that's what happened with, uh, with the St. Francisco Children's Home. Uh, you, me, we was already in there and they were doing uh, lessons for the older kids. So, uh, and I, well, we didn't really know each other uh, at, at the beginning. I kind of went in through it another route, um, but uh, I was teaching the younger kids uh, simple vocabulary and teaching them correct pronunciation. And so then Michael realized that these the younger kids showing up for the computer lessons already had some English knowledge. So, you know, he was curious about where did that come from? Um, uh, these kids, if you teach them when they're young, they, they have really good ears. They can hear the difference between R and L. Uh, whereas older ears, maybe they can't tell. So rice, lice, it's the same thing to them. But these kids, they can tell. And they, they learned their lessons so well that they um, on occasion would correct the older staff or the older kids in the home and say, you know, it's not hello, it's hello, you know. So, yeah. And I mean, we're both from outside Japan, and 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 I know that, that you've raised uh, children. But what do you feel are the similarities, and and if there are any differences between the kids that are in the homes that you're teaching, and maybe your own kids, or? Mm. Well, universally, I mean, kids need love. They need one-on-one -on -one love too with a caring adult. So um, when when we do the lesson, well, we went, when we did the lessons in, in person and now when we're doing it online, um, we make sure that we address each kid directly. You know, we'll call out their name and uh, like online, I'll say, come, come closer, come up to the camera. And, and then they'll get to talk to me and the puppet that I have, happen to have on my hand at the time, you know, Barbara, or, or I guess, uh, in, in uh, Japanese audiences, her name is Megumi. <laughs> and so they, they talk directly to the, the puppets and they know that the puppets can only understand and speak English, even though I'm a little bit bilingual, the puppets aren't. So this is added incentive, but that, you know, some one-on-one -on -one time uh, kids want to be seen. Look at me, look at me. You know, you, if you're a parent, you know that phrase. The kids want to be noticed and they want to be recognized as, you know, valuable, exciting, important individuals. So we try to make sure that that's part of the lesson. Um, oh. So I, th I think that the way you're teaching is extraordinary because uh, most kids that are, um, you know, learning in the home, are learning English in a much different way than kids that are able to go to a Kiowa, for example. Mm, and yeah. I think you will agree that kids want to learn in a fun and curious way. Mm -hmm. And yep. I think just even in today's day and age with kids on certain devices or 
having to have line to keep in touch with the softball coaches, etc. It's very difficult for them to put these devices down mm-hmm. and then go into a school environment where people are just talking at them. Yep. And so yep. what do you feel about the way you're teaching and the interactive and curious and fun way that you're teaching creates more retention for them than if they were just sitting and listening to a lecture learning from a textbook? Mm. Yeah, if you encounter a new piece of knowledge or a new word, vocabulary word, um, the first time you hear it, it doesn't quite catch. Uh, But if you keep hearing the word and you use it in different situations, uh, then then it starts to sink in. So we'll use the word um, initially in maybe a puppet conversation that I have with my own puppet. And and because I'm using puppets, I can, I can go back and forth and they hear the word over and over again, you know, and I, I'll say, um, oh, look, it's a ball. Is it a ball? Yes, yes. Oh, Megumi, can you look in the bag and try to find another ball? Uh, uh, okay, I'm looking for a ball, right? So I use different voices and different characters to repeat the word. And then we have some kind of game that intrigues the kids, like, you know, what's in the bag? And, and Megumi, the lamb, starts pulling out items. Is this a ball? Yes. Is this a ball? Yes. And then she'll pull out something strange like a little green Gumby man or, um, you know, a badminton uh, birdie. And is this a ball? No. So they're, they're kind of uh, engaged and playing and curious and learning as we go. And then we'll use the word again again in a song that we sing. Uh, and maybe we'll even incorporate a game with the song. So they're they're you know doing throw the ball, catch the ball, and they're they're saying the words while they're doing it. So having action along with the words helps. Um, at the end of a lot of the lessons, we have snack time and we try to connect snack time with the words that we just learned. So for example, the ball lesson, uh, uh, we'll bring along a little ball shaped snack, little round snack. And uh, in order for the kids to receive a snack, they'll, they'll just say, ball please. And then they get a little ball in their hand to eat. So if you are engaging the taste buds as well, that's even deeper yeah. knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, in fact, there's a there's a, um, a pronunciation exercise that has worked very well uh, that involves potato chips, salty, yummy potato chips, and uh, it's it's to get the kids to pronounce the the th the th sound, and this is not a sound that occurs naturally in Japanese language. So, thank you becomes sankyu, and uh, so just getting the kids to stick their tongues out. You know, not not in uh, uh, saying na 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 to somebody, but just as part of a word is a challenge. So we'll give the kid a potato chip, and I'll demonstrate it first. But they get a potato chip, they put it in front of their mouth, just just beyond their lips, and I'll say, "Okay, you have to say thank you three times, and then you can eat the potato chip." And then all the other kids are gathered around because they want to make sure that this kid is actually touching the chip, the chip with his tongue. 
And so, you know, they'll, they'll stick their tongues out. Thank you. And they'll taste the salt. And, you know, that's, that's like, oh, the, the taste is starting to, to sink in and, and reinforce this lesson. So they'll, they'll say, thank you three times. And then they'll eat the chip with relish. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, good to uh, bring in all five senses, if you can, when you're learning something new. generally like maybe sitting table playing uno or you know it, it was not means as interactive as i think it is now and i i think that's very official and then i can see a lot well you cut out i can't hear you right now i heard something about uno and then uh the sound cut out yeah keeps uh, falling out unfortunately <clears throat> I, I can see a lot of the kids that you're now coming into the computer classes and mm -hmm. and so they're able to use the citizenship lessons that we're doing and and so you know we're now trying to get them to have more structure and answering questions you that you've taught them um, and interestingly, even though they're quite young, uh, we're happy to, to see conscious of what they should and should be doing on their uh, kind of foundation decisions. And then, um, okay, is, am I cutting out? Okay, hang on one second. I can hear you now. <laughs> oh, you can hear me now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay. So, as we as we look at the kids going forward, what do you think are kind of the next steps for them after after teaching them with the with the puppets? It's Joey's. Of course, are you also uh, changing the curriculum or modifying the curriculum in any way for for one older? Um, yeah, the the book that's done, the first curriculum book that just needs a little bit of polishing. That's the first one hundred year, oh, one hundred words, one hundred years. Um, first one hundred words. Really looking far ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah. that the, that uh, an English speaking child would typically learn. We're teaching the first 100 words. Um, but I am starting to work on a second booklet, you know, this the second 100 words. Um, but all the lessons involve, uh, you know, sort of puppet play, action, games. Uh, and I also find links, online links to songs that are very simple. It's kind of hard to find um songs that that only have a few words most of these teaching songs are geared toward english speaking kids they already have this vocabulary in their brain um so i'm having to create a few new songs that really limit the vocabulary and focus on the specific words that i am trying to teach for that lesson uh it you know it ha it has to be simple enough 
so and repeatable and the kids can can catch on but yeah we are looking at the the next 100 words that we might be able to teach um it would be it would be cool if the older kids as they're learning more and more vocabulary through the you me we program if they can could come back the older kids pop in on a lesson a joey lesson and you know help practice with the kids or uh, ideally um the curriculum was originally written to to accommodate for lots of volunteers so if i could go into a lesson with you know five other adults then then at the end of the lesson, we set aside 10 minutes to just sit down with a book. And I've got these books picked out that reinforce the words that we just studied. They sit down with a book and they have story time, you know, one-on-one -on -one or two kids with one adult. And they, they go through and they, they do a, a, either a kind of a simple picture walk where the kid helps point to the words and says the word again. Uh, getting the kids to speak out loud is a big part of of the challenge of this uh, and that that helps the kid learn um, but that one-on-one -on -one time with an important adult that that is important um, i i talked to um, a friend who went through foster care and you know apart from the the games and toys that they get at christmas or birthdays um, she said that wasn't as important what was more important was having the full attention of a grown-up who you knew really cared about you. Wow. So that is what we want to, you know, incorporate into the lessons. Get get these kids some positive role models and connections with adults that are dependable and caring and loving and consistent and patient. <laughs> Everything that parents are supposed to be, and we don't <laughs> always hit the mark. Um, yeah. But that's what we aspire to. So. Say that again. Sorry. That that that's you're you're saying that's a lady that grew up in the children's homes. Yeah, in wow. in foster care. Foster um, care, I see. Yeah. Yeah, and is now a teacher, a very good teacher. Okay. Yeah. So I guess uh, um, part of Joey. I mean, yes, we're teaching. We're teaching simple English and we're we're having fun with the kids. We're trying to make a joyful space in their life. Um, but we're also looking for uh, teachers that are consist will consistently be there and that uh, you know have been trained in um, um, techniques for controlling the classroom in a in a kind, gentle, positive way. You know, you can't let the kids just go wild and let them run all over. Um, but you, you never lose your temper. <laughs> you just, you just have to sometimes roll with it. And sometimes the lessons, they get a little bit out of, out of hand. The kids are just too wild. And then you sit, you can, you know, kind of read the room and go, okay, this looks like it's going to be a play day. All right, you guys, we're going outside. We're going to blow bubbles. We're going to talk about up and down and pop. Okay. Everyone outside. Yay. <laughs> And that's just how it has to go. You have to be flexible. They're kids, you know, they're not uh, paying uh, um, university students in a lecture room. So right. be, keeping it, keeping it flexible, keeping it active, I think is a key point. 
and and um, being creative. Sometimes kids will come up with a new game, um, and you can you know do things on the fly. If you see one thing doesn't work, you start doing another one. Um, teaching the kids numbers that was fun. They liked flashcards for a while, but then I thought that's not involving their whole bodies, is it? So uh, I gave them a challenge. Uh, these these little kids, I said, okay. I want you to try to make the number on the floor with your bodies and I'll go, yeah, I'll go out of the room. And of course, there's always another helper, another staff member there watching the kids and, and you guys create the number with your bodies and then I'll come back and I'll see if I can guess what it is. So we did a few examples and then, oh, and the kids had fun with this. You know, they, they would lay down in a circle and make zero or they'd tr yeah, attempt to do a three or something. So um, it was giving them a good, a good cognitive challenge. Like, how do we do this? And then teamwork, how do we work together to create one number? And um, so, you know, you can do things like that too. And it helps, helps build the, the child community that's there yes. as well. And so, what is your future views for Joey? I mean, your future aspiration. Mm. We're in the process of training new teachers. Uh, right now, we have nine teachers who've gone through the initial kind of information training. You know how um, how do these orphanages work? Uh, the privacy issue, no photos. Uh, in the orphanage, you know, things that these kids have been through, you have to be patient, they're all at different levels, um, and just kind of working with the system. Uh, so, so nine teachers have gone through the basics, and now we're into, like, training to use puppets, and training to do little mini lessons, and this all has to be virtual for now, but we are looking forward to the time, uh, probably at the end of summer, or the fall, where um, these new Joey teachers can actually go into the homes and meet with the kids and bring puppets and games and props and everything. So um, that's in process now. Uh, what we need to do is find um, what find the the children's homes that will accept the Joey program and trust us to come every week and and start teaching the kids. So that's in the future. Right now I am doing that. And most of these lessons will be in Tokyo, but we're open to training teachers in other parts of the country or even the world. Um, we have a very small staff. It's just me and uh, my administrator, um, Hiroko, and, um, and our treasurer who kind of keeps track of all the income. Uh, the very little income <laughs> that comes in, we do this all for free. So fundraising is another part of this, and that I'm I'm trying to learn that aspect of of running a nonprofit foundation. Uh, but for the future, we do see this as expanding, and eventually, uh, I hope to be able to work myself out of a job, and you know, someone else can take over and and keep the program going because I think I think it's worthwhile and I think it has a, a positive impact on these kids. Uh, I mean, ideally, every child would be placed in a loving home. I mean, that that's one thing that frustrates me about about the children's homes. Uh, it seems like the laws in Japan don't give enough rights to the kids. And uh, even if the kid might be adoptable, 
if the parent says no, um, even if the parent cannot take care of the kid, that the child is there for the for the span of their childhood. So, uh, you know, in that case, well, we have to make it as happy and productive and loving as possible. So yeah. that's part of what Joey does. I totally agree. So how, how can everyone help you? I mean, what, what, are, what are your biggest challenges going forward? Um, you, you mentioned fundraising. So mm. uh, I know you have a global giving site that mm -hmm. people are able to donate to. And then naturally throughout the year, there's, there's different campaigns, et cetera. But um, how about corporate sponsorship? Have you, have you been able to get corporate sponsorship? No, no. Uh, okay. We have some grants like from the Wesley Center um, and, uh, you know, small gifts here and there. But I don't know how to do that. I'm trying to learn fast, but it would be wonderful if we could get corporate mm. sponsorship. We need, you know, some monthly uh, income coming in. Um, I'm taking on jobs uh, just so that I can keep this going. I quit my job as an international a, a teacher at an international school in Tokyo to launch Joey. Um, so uh, we're just doing what we can. And, and yeah, fundraising is, is I guess my biggest challenge. Yeah, I'm, I'm good at teaching and dealing with kids and doing puppets, but yeah. uh, uh, fundraising is, is new for me, so. And I think, you know, to, to your credit, uh, despite COVID, uh, that didn't stop you. You, you provide the lessons and connect with the kids. Uh, and I was saying, so, I was saying that beside, despite COVID, rather, you were still able to connect with the kids and keep your lessons going, um, even though there was quite a challenge. Yeah, yeah. I've had to learn technology very quickly. <laughs> I got a. Uh, a green screen studio set up in the basement. And um, I give my, my online Joey lessons via Zoom or Skype on my MacBook Air using that you know, built-in camera. And then I use the, uh, the iPad running on the side to play the music or the little uh, teaching videos that you know, I access online. And I'll pick up the iPad and I'll have the sound boosted with a little portable mic, uh, portable speaker. And then I'll, I'll take the iPad screen and show it to the camera of the MacBook Air. Instead of um, sharing my screen, uh, this way I can, I can see what the kids are seeing on one little part of my screen. And then I can also observe the kids. Are they still engaged? Are they active? You know what? Um, what parts of this song or activity are they responding to? So you know, I'm always keeping my eye on the kids, and sometimes I'll I'll take the iPad and kind of move it to one side and and pop my face in there and you know kind of interact. So so they know this isn't just we're not just going to sit down and watch this program. The teacher's still there, and and she's she's jumping in and doing silly things. So we better pay attention. Uh, this this online setup is actually. Um, allowed me to use the puppets in different ways that wouldn't have been um, uh, 
available to me, you know, live. I have my puppets piled on this ironing board right below the screen. And so at any point in the lesson, a new character can just kind of pop into view and, you know, say hello to the kids or contribute to the lesson. You know, here comes the fox. Oh, the fox is going to help us um, pr uh, practice the f sound, you know. Hi, I'm Kit Fox. How, how are you doing? Oh, it's so exciting to be here. Uh, we're going to do the F sound like fish and fox. And then, you know, he goes away and then they, they, I get my mouth right up next to the camera and they can see what my teeth and my lips and my tongue are doing. You know, it's kind of weird, but there's my big face in the camera going, buh, buh. do you see my teeth? Yeah, show your teeth. And then I can see if the kids are actually doing the, the correct sound or not. So, um, I mean, online does uh, offer other options that may not be um, available when you're doing it right in person, but no. Yes. So, you know, even when I was teaching, I was saying to the students, you know, English may not be the most spoken language in the world. And it's by no means the most important language in the world. However, uh, it's really a networking tool. Mm -hmm. And so it's important for them to learn as young as possible to be able to connect with people because what makes the language important is the importance of the topics they're talking about. Right. And I think, you know, we're very fortunate that English is across the globe so much and we're able to make those connections and uh, live in this country, for example, and you learn many things. And mm -hmm. so we just hope that you can continue with your work. I know you will continue with your work. Uh, we look forward to continuing to collaborate with you, get you more and more of the homes that we're in. Because I think the sooner the kids are introduced to your program, it's just a perfect intro into the other programs that we're working on. And we really didn't have something focused on the younger uh, mm. generation, so to speak. Yeah. And yeah. it's now reaching the point where we're seeing kids that have gone through, I mean, we were really in this space in 2007, but I would say all in 2013. And so we're starting to see a lot of the kids, a lot of the kids graduate out of the homes and we're continuing mm -hmm. to stay in touch with them in adulthood, etc. Yeah. So I'd like to think that what we're doing is also answering that need for them to have that connectivity and to be able to have someone show that their lives matter. Mm -hmm. Yep. And, and having that skill, if they are um, at least speaking basic English and with a, a good accent, that helps. Uh, they, can, they can get all kinds of jobs in Tokyo, but also beyond. Um, if these kids find that um, Japanese society is rejecting them because, you know, uh, unbelievably, uh, they're, they're sometimes referred to as throwaway kids. That's a, you know, a horrible moniker to give these wonderful children. Um, if they're not being accepted by Japanese society, they can go be valued somewhere else in the world. They can work anywhere. Um, yeah, no, English isn't the most important language, but so many businesses, so many companies, that's kind of their, um, their common language. And uh, so it is, it is valuable to learn. And then you can travel, you can, you can relocate 
you know, almost anywhere in the world if you can speak uh, basic English. So we, we are looking ahead to the kids' future. Where are they gonna go from here? When they're 18, um, will they have a job when they graduate from the homes? Um, you know, do they, are they gonna be stuck in Japan? Can they go someplace else? You know, it should be, they should have all these possibilities open to them. Yeah. Because when we are meeting kids that have aged out or by the time they're ready to go out into the world, we have kind of a checklist that we go through. And you mm -hmm. know, do you have a bank account? Do you have a debit card? Do you have, yeah. have a passport? Do you have the documents you need to get a passport? Do you have health insurance? Do you mm -hmm. have an emergency contact? So it's a lot of the things that they may not think about, but it reassures us that, okay, this is what you need to work towards. This is what you need to get in order. And I think one of those possibilities is to be able to go overseas, for example. Mm -hmm. And more and more, uh, obviously with the COVID it's a challenge, but a lot of the kids would love to do the Tomodachi program where they can do an exchange program in the United States where kids come from America to here and kids mm -hmm. from here go to the United States. And the more English that they have before they go there, naturally it would be a much more beneficial experience for them. Yeah. But I also think, you know, different conversations that we've had, there's a lot of people reaching out and obviously would like to help. And, and one mm -hmm. of the things that, that we've talked about is people being kind of virtual mentors. So I know that you know the kids on a much better basis than people that just come in and volunteer once and go away, for example. And I think on the flip side, yeah. the kids really value your time because they know you're consistently there and and, and you're proving to them that their lives matter. But mm -hmm. I really would like to appeal to people both on this podcast and just in general, that even virtual mentors that are cognizant of what the challenges are in the homes and for the kids, and, and at least you know, opening up their own network to helping them out in the future is, is a great appeal as well. Yeah, yeah, that's really needed. They need adults that will commit. <laughs> And like my Joey teachers, um, they know if they get into this, it's kind of in for the long haul. We want you to commit for at least two years so that there's the consistently the same person showing up all the time. If you're an online tutor, um, then you might be paired with one or two kids uh, and hopefully they can depend on you. You know, you're, you're there on time uh, every week and, and you're... Um, obviously caring about them and um, helping them with, with different aspects of their lives and homework and, you know, practicing English or whatever your skill is. Um, I think, I think online um, is probably more important to have people that are kind of bilingual, you know, to explain when something comes up. Uh, me being more monolingual, I mean, I can speak some other languages better than Japanese, like French and Norwegian, but but uh, Japanese is is a challenge for me, and because uh, I am dealing with uh, these kids that I that I already know, and I can use my hands and my puppets and um, props and things to kind of reinforce what I'm saying. Uh, I I really only use English basically during the lessons, so. But yeah, online mentors um, 
consistency is important. Um, and, you know, maybe even helping after the child uh, graduates from the home at age 18, um, a mentor might be essential in, in finding job opportunities or helping the kid get launched in, on a college track or something like that. Uh, and I mean, we can do online during the pandemic. So this is something yeah. that can start right away. I think one of the things about 21st century learning is that 21st century jobs will require technology that hasn't been invented yet. And mm -hmm. rather than mm -hmm. trying to get kids to, to prepare for a certain job, what's most important is communication, collaboration, and, and, and to a degree looking at the earth more, at the earth more holistically, but, more, mm -hmm. but being creative. And we mm -hmm. think these are the things that are not going to change, whether it's the 21st century, the 22nd century. Yeah. Um, but but definitely uh, very important with the work that you're doing. Yeah. And and find you know these these kids, part of part of uh, the Joy program. I'm bringing in um, native level speakers that are from different parts of the world, Australia and and New Zealand and England and, um, but they they have connections to the globe and so these these little kids are meeting people not just from japan but all over the world and so their mindset is being trained that um all kinds of faces are acceptable all kinds of of voices are caring uh it's not they're not so uh, focused on japan they end up being from a young age globally minded which is really important for looking ahead for the working world. You're going to be working with people from around the world. So you have to know to, how to get along with them, how, how to accept their different ways of looking, speaking, customs, uh, things like that. So I think it does start yeah. at a young age, acceptance. It, because I call it you know, bringing English alive, because you know, having taught English in the past, when I would see a student on a weekly basis and ask them, did you speak English since our last class? No. Oh, yeah. Uh, do you have any English speaking friends? No. Mm, so yeah. then to me, I just didn't understand the point of it. But then in the homes, mm -hmm. as you probably know, a lot of the kids are multicultural. Yeah. And so one of the reasons we started classes in the Philippines and Ghana is for them to look at kids that look like them. Mm -hmm. and bring English alive as a kind of a fun networking tool for them to connect with people and teach their own culture to them who are interested, but also learn about mm -hmm. cultures from overseas as well. So that's very much a work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned something about the, the Yumi We kids maybe even becoming Japanese teachers for yeah. other kids around the world. That's a cool idea. And they, yeah. they can, you know, have the responsibility and kind of the, the prestige of being a teacher from a young age and yeah, knowing that they're, they're important, their voice is important. Yeah, because I think with the plight of Japan of a shrinking population and, you know, 800 universities in Japan that are going to have to start closing pretty soon mm. if they oh. don't have more kids to fill the classrooms. I think it's a real re good recruitment tool to get talent to come to Japan and say that there's a space for the kids and these universities mm -hmm. and also uh, help them learn Japanese language and culture before they come here to make it a more interesting experience for them. Yeah. yeah. 
Okay, well, thank you very much for joining us today. Um, we look forward to probably future sessions with you on the podcast, and we really appreciate you joining. You're our third guest thank so you. far. Oh, wow. And uh, <laughs> we, we hope to have more uh, sessions and episodes going forward. Yeah, great. Well, thank you very much for inviting me, Michael. I appreciate And it was fun having a, a nice long conversation with you. Yes, you too. All right. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.